Hello listeners, a friendly reminder that the companies and topics discussed on this podcast are general advice only. Please consult an advisor or accountant for any personal advice. Hello, how are you? It's good to be back. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Market Pulse podcast. This is episode 63 that you are listening to. So yeah, we've got a few things to jump around and talk about in this episode. Uh, we're going to start with a little bit of macro stuff and we're going to touch on just some interesting data I read in a report uh, on Bloomberg about a week ago uh, just regarding yeah, supply chains and just the impact on, on prices and just kind of just how that problem isn't going away that quickly, which, uh, which was interesting to read about and they give some examples of this. But we're going to mostly just dive into some company-specific stuff. As you sort of know from listening to the podcast in the last few weeks, the ASX, our Australian market, that's been in reporting season lately. So we've got plenty of big companies that's been reporting some results. We're going to touch on a couple of those. Uh, and we'll, we might touch on a US company as well that's uh, knowing that the uh, US market have been in their earnings season, which is a quarterly thing over there. But I won't waste any more time. We'll start it off by looking at the indices. And so I'm recording this on the 1st of September, which is a Wednesday here in Australia. So I'm going to tell you about last week and I'll sort of give you an update on on what's been happening this week so far. So last week, the ASX 200 did finish in the green. It was up 0.4%. Uh, the S&P 500 last week doing better, up 1.52%, and the NASDAQ doing even better again, 2.82%. It was up last week. Uh, given that we're in the middle of the week, just as a bit of an update of where we are now, so ASX 200 is pretty much flat, basically. Hasn't really gone anywhere since last Friday. Overall, uh, the S&P 500's up a little bit, about 0.3%, and the Nasdaq's up just over 8% so far this week. And staying there on the Nasdaq is probably a pretty good segue into the first company, which we'll quickly mention just because it's a little bit interesting. That is Zoom, or Zoom Video Communications, their full name. They are listed on the Nasdaq over in the US. And you know what are 18 months this kind of company has had, obviously it's gone from basically being a company that pe probably people didn't, I didn't make, I mean, pre 2020, I hadn't, hadn't personally heard of Zoom. Uh, now it's, you know, common language. <laughs> uh, people will refer to just an online meeting as a Zoom meeting, even if it might not even be via Zoom, it might just be by Microsoft Teams or whatever. And I guess if you want a, a maybe a case example of what, would be called irrational exuberance. Uh, the share price of Zoom just absolutely exploded last year, as, as you can no doubt imagine. And to give you an idea of that, so, you know, across the sort of 2019 uh, leading up to the end of 2019, the share price was relatively flat for Zoom. Like it, it sort of went sort of range from around the 70s. It did touch up to like 100. This is US dollars by way per share. Uh, but mostly sort of going into the end of 2019, it it actually was kind of just trading around the $70 mark. And then it did start to pick up uh, in early 2020. Um, That's probably helped by the fact that generally markets were picking up at that time. Um, but then it really, really started to take off as you sort of started to get into the, the middle of 2020. So by, by June, for example, it was trading. So remember, so end of 2019, it's trading around 66, high 60s, low 70s US dollars per share. Uh, by June 
2020, it's trading about $250 per share. Uh, and then peak irrational exuberance uh, is October 2020. So October last year, it it comes in and hits $559 US a share or closes out on the 16th of October at $559 US per share. Uh, as an example of what that means from a percentage point of view, it means that they were up basically about 740% from where they basically ended uh, 2019 from. And they're not at that super high that I just mentioned there that you know, in the 500s at the moment, they've they've come back down and seem to be sort of settling around the, the high twos, sort of low threes. So at the moment, for example, it's closed out at 290 US dollars. So it's still up significantly, significantly more than where it was leading into the pandemic, uh, but not... Uh, down like down obviously also a significant amount uh, compared to that peak there and that peaks you know you might sort of scoff at that peak where it's you know it's traded at five five nine US dollars but you know someone had to buy shares at that price for it to reach that price so it means someone's owning or at least maybe not anymore but it's likely that someone's owning shares at that price and I bring up zoom because it's you know you know one of the things that's getting talked about a lot now with um the market and, and specific stocks is, you know, at what point is too much for certain companies that have very specifically benefited from the last 18 months or have been winners out of the last 18 months, uh, like a Zoom, for example. So at what point are they, you know, at what point is it a right price to buy these companies given that, you know, logically we can't expect the kind of growth you know, the just absolute explosion in growth that they experienced, you know, in terms of customers and revenue yeah, in the last 18 months, we, we can't expect that that's going to be like that moving forward because, yes, you know, we've, there are these, say, for example, the Delta strain, the current um, Delta strain that even here in Australia we're dealing with, but we appear to be moving into a post-COVID, you know, high, if we bump up our vaccination rates, post-COVID world, and what does that mean for a company like Zoom that really benefited from the fact that we're all at home and couldn't really leave the house? So it was an interesting article uh, through CNBC uh, because they reported on the fact that they that Zoom uh, took to the market with their earnings. And when they released their quarterly earnings, this was on Monday at the start of the week, uh, their shares actually fell 12% off the back of it. And it wasn't really because their results were bad. They still had growth, uh, but this, it's surely slowing now especially compared to the 2020 period interestingly they quote uh, jp morgan in their article and uh, jp morgan are saying so we still believe zoom is a very good franchise with a tremendous amount of growth in its future but we expect the market will need to rationalize a different level of growth post pandemic into their valuation expectations you know because part of these quarterly you know results and earnings that companies announce is that they're talking about you know where are they now versus last year and last year I guess you could say they'll they exploded off quite a low base and so the results and the numbers just looked incredible um, but that's starting to slow down now again it's not bad results though so for example for the quarter so just for the quarter they um, posted revenue of just over a billion dollars which is more than what analysts expected and it's actually their first billion dollar quarter for, for zoom Revenue increased 54% year over year in the quarter. So the, that quarter that just ended versus the, the year prior. But 
in the start of the year, their revenue had grown about 191% compared to the year prior. So it's showing that there's a slowdown in the overall year-on-year growth. And again, that's to be expected because at the start of this year compared to the start of 2020, again, you're jumping from a very low base and those kind of crazy percentages like 191% to be expected. But I guess one way to take a gauge on what investors are thinking is uh, looking at the share price more recently. You know, for as much as I talked about how good it was last year for Zoom, if you take a look at just this year, so just from the start of 21, 2021, rather, uh, this share price has, is actually slightly down. So, so from basically New Year's Eve uh, to now, uh, their share price in Zoom, and this is after this week where it's slumped, by the way. So it feels a little bit unfair to compare it because it was pretty much trading flat before this, but now it's down about 13.7%. You know, what what that kind of tells you is that it's lagging the market overall and investors probably thinking that the party's over in terms of, again, that explosive growth. That's not to say this company doesn't have a future. It clearly does. You know, it's clearly done a good job of like sticking in our minds and, and getting in there and, and being the default choice for many businesses and companies and consumers. But in terms of that kind of sh- crazy share price growth, I think uh, those wild days are, are certainly over. Okay, um, another one I'll quickly bounce to. This is away from a company-specific thing. I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to talk about a supply chain story. If you want to read it yourself, which I uh, recommend, it's a Bloomberg economics story. Uh, it's just, and I'll obviously give credit to the, the reporters um, here. So the it's titled, The World Economy's Supply Chain Problem Keeps Getting Worse. It was posted on 26th of August. The authors are Cindy Wang and Ender Karan. And basically, this is kind of like a story about the acknowledgement of the supply chain issues that have been happening, but the fact that it seems to be lasting longer than at least some people initially expected. And it's it's definitely seeming like it's going to last out this year and go into next year as well. And there's just some really interesting data points which they cite that show some of the problems uh, resulting from these supply chain issues. Interestingly, in this Bloomberg article, they talked to this person who is a CEO of a Hong Kong company called Musical Electronics Limited. And one of the things that they make are Rubik's Cubes. And this gentleman said the costs of magnets, which are used in the Rubik's Cubes, have risen by 50% since March this year. And that has increased their overall production costs by about 7%. And so that's just like obviously one very tiny example, but just the fact that for them to make these Rubik's Cubes, that whole exercise has become a lot more expensive because of the magnets. A couple other interesting data points from this article, they look at the spot rates for shipping containers from China to the US and then also China to, well, they've they've said here in the Netherlands in Rotterdam, so so China to the US or China to the EU and just how that has changed. So the spot rates for shipping containers. So for example, one of the metrics they show about the spot rate, an example is in January in 2020, so at the start of last year, you know, a spot rate for a shipping container, and this is like a 40-foot container, they refer to, say, going from China to Los Angeles was around, say, one and a half grand. Going from China to the EU was around 1.7, so $1,700. Uh, the change here is really dramatic. So 
in going up to now, so basically the, the sort of the middle of all end, end of August, the spot rate for a shipping container uh, from China to the US is about 11 grand and from uh, China to the EU about 13.7 grand. So sorry, $13,700. And they that, that's like a 10 times increase in just the price of you know getting stuff on that you need onto a shipping container to get it over to wherever you are. Yeah, another data point that they look at in this specific article is uh, bottlenecks that are that are happening at at ports, and they in this is just one specific example, so it's not looking at the entire world, but it's looking at uh, the boats off the shore of Los Angeles, and they look at specifically the number of anchored container ships that are waiting to offload. So they're sitting out there in the ocean. Uh, they can't move because they're still waiting for their turn to come into the ports. You know, in the middle of 2020, there wasn't really any of that that happening. There might be sort of one or two, like, you know, across between July to October uh, that would have to, on average, be having to wait out there uh, for their turn to come in. Um, but really, towards the end of last year, and especially at the start of this year, uh, that has really changed and, and ramped up, and the amount of ships that are sitting out there is closer to around 40. They're just sitting there anchored. You know, this is on average 40, uh, not doing anything because they can't move and they can't get into the port. And, and that kind of timing kind of works out perfectly of when the US economy started to really ramp back up because uh, it was going into summer there. So you can imagine the spending that was happening kind of aligns also with the, the fiscal stimulus packages that came through from both right at the end of Trump's term and then the 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 new one that came at the start of Biden's term. And so there just would have been this crazy demand, which probably didn't help the situation as people, you know, there's already backlogs in things. So there was companies and businesses trying to get on top of their backlog. And then suddenly there's even more demand coming in that, you know, more or less just creates an even greater backlog. So yeah, go check out the article. I really recommend reading it. They've got a few other interesting data points that talk about, you know, some of the tangible problems that we can understand of why uh, the supply chain is still under a lot of stress. And that, for example, that shipping container example I gave you there, that's actually picked up since June. So it's gotten actually worse since the June period, uh, which is interesting. You think maybe it was just slowly getting better and better, but still still a problem. But no, it's actually sort of uh, died down towards June, but then picked back up uh, to be as high as it was at the start of the year. Go check it out. I found it very interesting. It kind of makes me rethink my opinion on you know when that pro- I guess I kind of thought that maybe that problem wouldn't be as bad or maybe it wasn't going to uh, drag out for as long uh, but clearly it's looking like it's going to still be a problem going into the new year and it's still going to have a, a significant impact on not just the supply of certain goods but the the prices that people because it's, it's effectively in some ways causing bidding wars between consumers or businesses to just get product in because it's so hard. So yeah, go check it out. It was called The World's Economy Supply Chain Problem. Keeps getting worse. But now we're going to move on and talk about a few ASX or Australian-specific stocks and some of their reporting that's been going on at the moment. There's been some pretty good ones as well. There's been some bumper dividends from the obvious ones like the iron ore miners, which we kind of expected. Fortescue Metal paid an absolutely crazy dividend recently. I think it was like around $2.11 per share, which is just a 
from a yield point of view, that's just insane compared to where the share price is sitting. But we're not going to talk really about the miners or Fortescue specifically. We're actually going to start with one of the kind of favorites. Like I, I never declared it as a favorite. I, I don't actually own this stock, so for full transparency, but it's just one that we've touched on because it's kind of been like a, a cool story and something interesting to follow. And that is the continued success of Aussie Broadband, traded under the ticket code ABB on the ASX, and they're quite new to the ASX. Uh, so let's check in and have a look at what their reporting season results were like. And like I touched on, it's just been a really positive and successful story for Aussie Broadband since they listed on their market. I remember I've quoted this in that the last episode that we talked about, which I think was episode 44. This is a company that listed for a dollar per share. So it, it did its IPO round at a dollar per share. They did some pretty cool stuff like for customers at the time, they offered them the chance to actually get in on the IPO themselves. You know, being, I guess, the if you're a satisfied customer, you might have seen value in this company moving forward. And for those customers that made the jump there, uh, they certainly have been onto a winner ever since because the Aussie broadband share price is now trading at about $4.36 Australian up from a dollar of its listing price. So, you know, that's four times um, your money if you got in there at the very beginning. And some really good financial results that they released to the market on the 30th of August, so just a few days ago. And these are their full financial year results, so ending 30 June 2021. And just... Uh, when I sort of list off some percentages here, these are compared to the what they say the prior corresponding period. So for this, it's not quarter to quarter like we talked about with Zoom. This is compared to the previous financial year. So their revenue came in for financial year 21, uh, $350 million, and that was up 84% on the prior corresponding period. The amount of like total broadband services uh, which they've got connected is now just over 400,000 broadband services, which is up 53% compared to the financial year prior. They note 37,500 broadband business and wholesale services, and that's up 90% compared to what the previous financial year. Uh, they've also, they also run mobile services, so that's at about 25,500 mobile services, which is up about 100% compared to where they were. You know, when they came out with these results the other day, one of the slides on their investor presentation, which is quite interesting, you know, it's not the kind of thing that every company gets out and, and throws up there on their slides in these kind of presentations, but they have a big thing on customer experience and they just show the amount of reviews they've received through, you know, like product review sites and, you know, just Facebook reviews, Google reviews, all that thing, and just how overwhelmingly um, on average how positive it is. And this has been a big point in the whole you know, branding and messaging of this company because you know, they're, of course, if they're growing at such you know, fast speeds at the moment, they're still a small player in the overall, in terms of their overall market share. But if they're growing at such fast speeds, they're, they're clearly taking that business from somewhere and, and that somewhere is clearly the big incumbents of these industries like the Telstra's and the TPG's and the Optus's. And their focus on the customer has been successful because those other companies I mentioned have certainly been through periods where uh, they have been lacking in their ability to generate good customer service, good customer loyalty. 
I won't stay on it for too much longer. They noted at the end of their slides uh, that it's even though the financial year finished on the 30 June, they've gone into this new financial year uh, swinging and their broadband and mobile sales for the month of July are on track for a new record month. Uh, and they continue, and they also think that it's going to continue into August. Uh, probably one of the other things that I noticed, which was interesting, is they had a slide on mergers and acquisitions. They said that they've announced ahead of M&A uh, in April this year, and they're looking at acquisitions in this sector to build up their company and build scale. Uh, they expect that they're actually going to make at least one acquisition in this current financial year that we're now in. So that'll be really interesting to watch and see what kind of moves that they make to continue to bolster the growth of their company. But that is Aussie Broadband and that is the Market Pulse podcast for another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been episode 63. I really appreciate it. Like I always say, if you do have any feedback for the show, you can jump onto your favorite podcasting platform, give it a star rating, give it a review, whatever you want to do, tell your friends about it. If you do have a question for the show, you can shoot those questions through to marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, I hope you're enjoying your week. For those of you in lockdown, I hope you're at least trying to enjoy your week as much as possible. But otherwise, I will see you in the next episode of the Market Pulse Podcast. Cheers.